Welcome to another episode of Love Revival. We're right here at the New Wine Conference in Northern Europe, in Sweden, one of the Scandinavian nations for you that are watching from abroad. And uh, with us on the main stage of the New Wine Conference, we have one of the keynote speakers at this conference in Vänersborg in Sweden. No other than Paul Harcourt. Welcome, sir. Thank you, John. Yes. Pleasure having you here. Are you enjoying the conference? Yes, I've, I've got lots of friends in Sweden. Um, this now is the country that I've done ministry trips to more than any yeah. other country in the world. And so it's always great to come back and this is proving to be a fantastic conference. Yes. How many times have you been approximately? I think about 10 or 11 times 10 now. And, 11. and oh. I'm coming again later in this year. And you haven't learned Swedish yet? I'm learning. You're learning? Yeah. What kind of words have you learned? Well, I'm, I'm putting early, in the spot early, now. early days yet. So at the moment, okay. vocabulary is very strange. It's yeah. things like Björnen et uh, Elgen. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, I don't know why I would need to know that the, nope. the bear is eating the moose, but yeah. you know, <laughs> okay. that's the way they teach you. <laughs> I probably know who taught you that. I'm, I'm <laughs> Otherwise, I, use, I like to tell people that don't know English that you know English. You, you Coca-Cola, pizza, Pepsi. Yeah. You know, whatever soda drink you, you, of your choice, you know yeah. English. Yeah. yeah, well, we live in a world now where <laughs> things travel very quickly, so exactly. I think increasingly we're sharing the same language. Yes. Paul, uh, we don't know each other so well, but I've heard of you a lot, and uh, I know that there has to be, for you to uh, stand on this stage and minister to thousands of individuals, both in Great Britain and abroad and, and here in Sweden, mm. There's got to be a story behind. There's got to be a track record with encountering God. Yeah. Tell us first yeah. and foremost, what are you doing right now? And uh, what is, and how is your life happening? Yeah, well, I, I have two jobs. Um, oh. So I'm the leader of a church in uh, the north of London. Um, and over the last, I, I've been there for 24 years now. And um, over the last few years, that church has grown so that now we actually are leading six churches mm -hmm. and for the last three years I now split my time um, to be national leader of New Wine as well so I, I do those churches uh, three days a week and then spend the other three days a week serving New Wine in England. Six churches? Yes, yeah, six three churches. Days a week? Yes, I don't Ooh, go there very okay. often. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> so it's, it's sort of leadership from a distance yeah. but I bring the team together once a week and um, we, we press into God and we learn together, we pray together, we plan together and then they split out and they, they run those churches. And New Wine England has um, been going for a, about 35 years now. Um, we've had summer conferences for 30 years. We've grown to be a, a, a movement of um, leaders and churches, probably about three and a half thousand leaders in the UK, um, in England specifically. Um, we have summer conferences like this one, um, but the English summer conference is over two weeks and we get about 24,000 people wow. come through the doors. Oh. Uh, so it's a great privilege to be part of that. And then the new wine story is it, it's spread all around the world and uh, there's new wine in New Zealand and South Africa and India and then in lots of countries in Europe as well. For that person that uh, is very new to the new wine movement, how can you explain what God is doing through this network of churches? Well, probably my own story is quite common for a lot of people in the New Wine Movement. So I, I grew up in a traditional church, um, and that church was really good at uh, teaching me about the holiness of God. But it, as if God, it was as if God was always a long way away. And so 
Uh, I grew up with a, a belief in God, but without really much relationship with him. And I went to university, and for the first time there, I met evangelicals who opened the Bible with me, and I just the gospel came alive. I suddenly realized who Jesus was, what he'd done for me. And as I started to follow Jesus, I had this desire that other people would come to know him too. Um, and I was hungry for more. I was trying to find out the reality that the Bible speaks about. Um, because there's so many things that we read about in the Bible that we think we don't see that today. And New Wine really is uh, about the renewing work of the Holy Spirit. And so I, I personally came into renewal, uh, was filled with the Spirit without anybody praying for me. I was just lying in my bed and, mm. and the Spirit of God came and I, I found I, I was full of peace and full of joy. I, I went back into doing the things that I'd, got, uh, I'd done for God before and suddenly found that He was using me in new ways and I was seeing more fruit. But really for me, um, I then met people from New Wine, which was just starting its summer conference in those days. And they were able to teach me how, how Jesus trained the disciples in the Bible. What, what we saw in the Gospels about the ministry of signs and wonders in evangelism. Um, and that's the heart of New Wine. It's, it's renewing the local church for mission. Mm. So recognizing that when we're called to follow Jesus, we're not just called to be like him in his moral nature but we're also called to be like him in being sent on mission and being called and sent on mission is in the same power of the Holy Spirit yeah. and so we we preach the kingdom of God but we also we heal the sick and we cast out demons and we, we do the things that Jesus trained the disciples to do yeah and you know you know I've been to many summer conferences of course abroad and, and here in Sweden mm. uh, and my little my what I'm feeling this year is that this conference values the presence of God. Mm. It's, it's very evident, I, I believe. I, yeah. mean, I, I don't know what kind of circles you're exposed to, but I really feel, I mean, other, other denominations, other kind of networks amplifies, everyone amplifies something. You're talking yeah. about yeah. churches, change, uh, local churches changing nations. But also, this is very much a place here in, during this conference, I feel, everyone values the presence of God. Yeah, I often talk about some of the distinctives of New Wine because we, we know that we're one stream amongst many and we, we look to and we learn from other people but there's also this, there's this sense that we still exist because maybe we carry something that's a little bit different um, and we talk about the kingdom theology that Jesus taught, you know, this, this idea that it's not just about individual personal salvation, that's not the gospel. Uh, the gospel is about the recreation of all things. It's the coming of the kingdom of God. And that means it touches every area of life and um, every aspect of human society. So that's a big focus for us. And we talk a lot about this focus on the local church and the network of family and generosity that we're called to as kingdom people. But the distinctive practice of New Wine is that we're looking all the time for the presence of God. And so uh, we've always, from the beginning, we've wanted to wait upon the presence and power of God and so we, we seek him in worship uh, and sometimes our worship will stop because he turns up and we just we just want to let him do what he wants to do um, but all the time just trying to be in his presence trying to listen to for his direction and um, just to encounter him and the same in the teaching as well so in the teaching we'll we'll press into what his word says but then we're going to wait to let the Holy Spirit come and minister those truths to us because often what we do when we preach is we describe something that's available. Mm. 
but then we don't take time to receive it. So in New Wine, we always want to make sure that you know, after worship, we respond. After teaching, we respond. And responding just starts with, Lord, we welcome an increased awareness of your presence. And we want you to move amongst us. And we're not going to go anywhere. We're going to wait for this to happen. And then we want to press in and, and receive it. And I think we've been seeing some really encouraging signs of, yeah. of going even deeper in that this year in this really? conference. It's been a lot of power. Really? Because in his presence, we get the power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If we go after the power, sometimes we, we just go off and it can become human hype. But if of we course. go after his presence, mm. then we'll always get his power as well. Exactly. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Uh, we are going to talk about one of your... We're going we're gonna to have a little stepping stone that coming out of one of your books, yeah. which is called Growing in Circles. Yes, now available uh, in now Swedish. Now available in Swedish. <laughs> and I'm sitting on it right here. <laughs> And I'm excited about this book. I just found out today about this book. Okay. <laughs> but it was right on because this is Love Revival. Yeah. And uh, I really believe this is something that we need to rediscover. It's, nothing is new under the sun. There's no, the old, you know, it's the Spirit of God usually give, shows us, give, shines lights on old revelations. Yeah. But this is such a great revelation when it comes to ministering out of intimacy yeah. in relationship with the Father and how a growing circle starts happening. One thing leads to another. Paul, take us through this book. And by the way, the, books, the book is now available through Sjöbergs förlag and wherever you buy books. And it's called in Swedish Växa i cirklar. Well, it's, uh, it, the yeah. reason it's called Growing in Circles is because when, when I've spoken to people about their, their spiritual life, um, I often talk to them about, you know, what, what has been the biggest truth that has impacted your life? And nearly always people will say something really simple. So they'll be say, when I really understood the love of God for me. Or they'll say something like, when I really understood that I am a daughter of God. Uh, or, or they might say that when I understood that because I'm a son of God, I carry authority because I'm a son of a king and therefore I'm a, I'm a prince. Um, and it seemed to me that often those are really simple things and some of them are things that we, we teach to our children from the earliest days. So it's like, you know, God loves you is sort of the most basic truth we ever teach. So it seemed to me that as we grow, often what we need is, is not a new truth, but we need a deeper revelation of an old truth. Of course. And so I started teaching on a number of, of areas. Um, and I started seeing connections between these things. So for many people, the way into renewal, and, and to, you know, my heart is to enable people to, to start living more of the supernatural, spirit-filled life. You know, so we, we set out in the book what it is to be a charismatic disciple, moving in signs and wonders, being in partnership with the Father, doing the things that Jesus did in the power of the Spirit. And we started seeing that for many people, the way in is, is love. It's, it's intimacy with God. But that, that intimacy for Jesus led him into a sense of confidence. Because when he is filled with the spirit of his baptism, he also hears the voice of God. And, and the Father speaks over him and says, this is my son, whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. And he says that before Jesus has even done anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So God loves you because he loves you. He doesn't love you because exactly. you serve him, uh, because you do things. Um, but he loves you because he loves you. 
And then we, we realize that actually out of that affirmation comes this really established sense of being sons and daughters of the living God. Um, and so we, we started exploring some of those themes. For me, a big one the last years has been learning about the authority that comes out from that identity. Yeah. So it's sort of intimacy leads to affirmation, affirmation leads to identity, identity leads us into a sense of authority. And we realize that authority is something that we have, but we have to pick it up. We have to use it. Yeah. Can we stay on, on uh, the father affirming the son? Yeah. I mean, the firstborn. But you believe he's doing it for many, many brethren. And, and he's doing it for all, all the people. Absolutely. Everyone I, I who's think, in Christ. See, yeah. my understanding is that um, Jesus came to give us the relationship that he had with the Father. Mm -hmm. Now, he has it as the only begotten, unique, eternal son of the Father. But we're adopted. But adopted children are no less loved than the natural-born children. And so 1 John 4 says, in this world, we are like Jesus. The Father loves us the same way. Yeah. Um, he loves us perfectly. Mm. And um, he loves us as much as he loves Jesus. He is there for us as much as he was there for Jesus. He makes all of his resources available to us in the way that he did for Jesus. Mm. And our problem is that we, we don't know who we are. No. And we don't know who he is. And so this revelation of love, I, I've come to believe that when, when the Father says, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased, mm -hmm. I think he wants to say that to all of us. He wants yeah. all of us to to minister out of that security and out of that confidence. Yeah. You know, I like to, when, when, I, when I'm talking on this subject, I usually use John 14, 6, mm -hmm. that uh, Jesus is the way to the Father yeah. now. Because I think many people believe that, you know, the day I die, yeah. the door is going to be open for me to meet my Heavenly Father, or yeah. the Father is distance, in, in the distance somewhere. And I, I, I'm, I'm more relating to Jesus right now. But there might come a day when I'm, you know, I'm going to meet the Father or whatever. Yeah. But what we're talking about is that you can meet the Father now. That Jesus is the way now to yeah. the Father. No, in absolutely. The because Father. So in that passage you just mentioned, so Jesus goes on immediately. Um, Jesus says, I, you know, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And, and Philip quite reasonably says, well, Lord, if you could just show us the Father, that would be great. And remember Jesus says, did you not know I've been with you all this time? Mm. So the Father was perfectly present in Jesus. He says, I and the Father are one. Mm. And um, I've often thought about that because, you know, he then goes on and he says, I, I reveal the Father to you through the words that I speak, mm. and I reveal the Father to you through the works that I perform. Mm. And um, a lot of people would say, well, that's great, but Jesus, you're not here now. So, you know, was it was it okay for those that, who were there then, in those three years when you were doing public ministry? So Jesus keeps going, and then he says, now what's going to happen is you're going to do it. Mm. Anybody who believes in me will do the works that I've been doing, and you can ask for anything that will be given to you. So Jesus is the way to the Father now, and his people are also meant to be revealing the Father to others as well, through both the words that we speak and the works that we do. Yeah, that's good. Would you say that there is a, a war going on right now? Uh, that's my feeling, yeah. <laughs> of course, that there is a war against our identity. I would, I would in say that. Christ is, Jesus. Yeah, I would say that yeah. is probably the most powerful thing that happens. So, um, following Jesus' baptism, 
the very next thing we know, the spirit leads him into the wilderness, yes. and there he's tested by the enemy. And the, the attack the enemy brings is consistent. It, it is if you are the son of God. So he, the, the enemy is chipping away at Jesus's identity, and he's saying, if you're insecure in your identity, then prove it. You know, make, make God prove himself to you. And, and Jesus keeps coming back and saying, it's enough for me that the Father's written this. Yeah. It's, the Word of God says this, and I, I stand in that identity. And I love the way in, in Luke chapter 4, it says that when Jesus went into the, uh, into the desert, he is full of the Spirit. But in verse 14, it says that when he comes out, he comes out in the power of the Spirit. Yeah. And I think there's a, there's a power the Lord wants us to carry that only comes when we, we defeat that battle over our identity. Yeah. And Satan is terrified of us. You know, we spend most of our time terrified of Satan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But actually, oh. he's terrified of us finding, becoming, yeah, finding who we are, yeah. becoming who we are. So one of the things I've, I've come to rethink is that passage in Luke chapter 10, when Jesus sends the disciples out. And you know, remember, he sends them out on mission, and they come back, and they're rejoicing. Uh, and they say, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And when the Lord says, um, when he says, I saw Satan fall like lightning, I, I always used to think of that as Jesus is talking about in the beginning, you know, back in, even before the garden. But I wonder now whether Jesus is actually saying, you know, I, when you stepped into your identity, yeah. when you stepped into your authority as sons of God and you went out and you did ministry and you healed the sick and the demons submitted to you, I saw Satan fall like lightning. So oh. I think um, Satan is terrified of yeah. the children of God discovering who they really are. What happens if the people of God step into this revelation and, and start to identify as sons and daughters of God? What is it the devil is afraid of? Well, he, he's afraid that we will start to partner with God to see other people set free and to see the kingdom of God extended. So, you know, I think before you become a Christian, Satan tries to blind you to the truth of who Jesus is. And when you've become a Christian, he tries to blind you to the truth of who you are in Jesus. And so we sometimes say it this way. So he, he fought and he fought and he fought to stop you going to heaven. Now that you're going to heaven, he just now fights to make sure you don't take anybody else with you. You know, he fought to stop us getting into the kingdom. Now he fights to make sure that we don't extend the kingdom on the earth. But that's what we were made for. So in the book, when we are doing this circle, from that picking up of authority leads us into destiny, which is a sense of, why am I here? What's the purpose of my life? Because a lot of us think of our lives as, well, I, I've been saved, but the purpose of my life is still the job that I have or the family that I'm raising. And, no, no, no. When, you, when you're saved, you, you're restored into this identity of, um, of being a son of God upon the earth, being a daughter of God. And your purpose is to be a steward of God's kingdom, yeah, yeah. as we were in the beginning. That's, that's how we were created. And so we get a, a different sense of purpose. And okay, we may still be working in business, or we may still be in a school, or we may still be raising a family. But we're there now with a different purpose. Yeah. We're there to extend the kingdom of God upon the earth. And that, that shows us what it is to walk with God in obedience every day. And you, you have mentioned it before, but you're talking about that when we understand our identity as sons and daughters of God, in the, in the water behind that comes authority. Yeah. Explain to us what you mean by that. Well, I think um, 
you know, a lot of us think of being a son or a daughter of God, and um, we think of that in terms of the intimacy that comes with it. And that's quite right, and that's really important, and our hearts cry out for that. But, but actually, it's, it's a calling not just to, uh, to come close to God, it's a calling to be sent as well in his power. So it says in Mark 3 that when Jesus called the disciples, he called them to be with him and to send them. And they were going to go out and do the things that he did. In actual fact, there's an intimacy with God that only comes when we go with God into work. And it's like when I was growing up, you know, I, I grew closer to my father by doing things with him. And so um, a lot of us, we long for intimacy with God. And so we come into church and we love worship and we want to press into his presence. But there's this rhythm in scripture, which is not just intimacy, but also authority. Um, the two themes of the Bible are covenant, which is about being priests, and kingdom, which is about ruling authority. Um, and so we have relationship with God, but we also have responsibility upon the earth. And he wants us to be his stewards. And so, yes, we're sons and daughters of God, but we're sons of a king, and that makes us princes and princesses in the royal household. There's a great passage in uh, Galatians chapter 4 where uh, Paul's talking about being sons and daughters of God. And he talks about how we used to be underage, but now we're grown up. Exactly. And I think a lot of Christians, when we think of ourselves as sons and daughters of God, we still think of ourselves as little children. So when I think I'm a son of God, I maybe imagine myself as being about age six, because I, I long for the intimacy of being held by a father. But I'm still in the, in the earthly realm. I'm a son of my father, and I'm in my 50s, and my father's in his 80s and so I'm still his son but now I'm an entrusted son I have work yeah. you know I've been commissioned um, and this is part of the father's affirmation that he trusts us yeah. and that he calls us into partnership with us and there's a job for us to do not yeah. just a relationship to enjoy do you think it's uh, authority is combined with maturing in love that the more love the more you represent the father in in the nature of love the more authority or, or uh, how, how can I put it, more he entrusts us? Because he don't entrust us everything at the right, yeah. all of a sudden, as babes in Christ. No. Do you think, or am I wrong? No, I Is think there you like are. a little level of entrusting? We grow in these entrusting? things, don't we? Yeah. You know, I, I think um, we, we, we need to keep coming back to know more of the Father's love because the more the Father's love penetrates us, mm -hmm the more secure we are in who we are and the more aware we are of who he is. And so um, the reason that we press into our relationship with God is, is that we get confidence in who he is. Yeah. And you'll see that, that often um, the, the power of Jesus' ministry was often released through compassion. Yeah. Because he, had a, uh, he was secure in who he was and he had a compassion for the people he was praying for. And often we read in the healing miracles that Jesus was deeply moved moved with so love from God and God's love for others flowing through us yes. that's a really powerful combination it is it is I know you have this circle within the book also yeah and um, unfortunately we're running out of time <laughs> but after authority you're talking about destiny and, and then after that obedience explain yeah. to us going full, full circle now in, in one minute well, this is, that's a one that really excites me, actually, because I think a lot of Christians, we've grown up under quite a legalistic culture. 
Um, we, we've been maybe taught in church about the rules. These are the things that you do, do. These are the things you don't do as a Christian. And so for many people, obedience has become quite a heavy concept. But I, I got this revelation from God that, that was really um, about how obedience leads us into intimacy. Uh, what it was is we, uh, I've got two children and um, both of my children are autistic. And a lot of people said, oh, you, what you need to do is get a dog because they're really good at helping children have relationships. And unfortunately, we got a dog that was very poorly trained <laughs> uh, and we weren't good at training him. So we had to take him off to the, the training class. And what they saw when we were walking the dog was that he was always straining at the leash. He was trying to get away from us. And um, they said, leave us with him. And we went off, had coffee, came back two hours later. And two hours later, the dog was walking with his head close to their hip and the lead was loose. Mm. So obedience feels like straining at the leash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he then wanted to be close. And we, we asked them, how did you do it? And the secret was that in their pocket, they had liver. Oh. And so they would feed him a little bit of meat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so obedience is, is so I'm going to say no to that sin, not because the father says I must as a heavy duty, but because I don't want to lose any distance to the father. Obedience is about intimacy, yeah. closeness. And so that was a big revelation for me, and I, I realize now that obedience is something that I, I long for. I long to be obedient because I know that means I can stay close to my father. Yeah. This is good. And we haven't revealed everything because everything is in the book. <laughs> so go and buy the book. This is a tremendous book. I haven't read it yet. I will read it. Great. I've just looked it through a little bit, but it looks like a tremendous book. Växa i cirklar, grow in circles. Paul Harkert, blessing having you with us. Thank you. And uh, for you that have, have watched this program, go ahead and practice what you have learned today. Ask Father to reveal his love to you and let the journey begin into knowing him and becoming love on the earth.